Good morning, church. Yeah, our worship team, man. We have such an amazing team who pulls off everything from the greeting ministry as you enter the door to our worship team on stage. And we're so thankful for everyone who's part of our dream team that pulls off services here at Gulfside. And I want to welcome you if this is your first time or seventh time here at Gulfside Church. We're so excited about what God has been doing. And we are continuing our series called Words I Need to Say. And and I'm convinced that there are some things that we need to say that we haven't been saying. And honestly, a lot of the things that we need to say that we haven't been saying are are things that we would like to say, but for whatever reason, we've struggled with getting those words out. Last week, we talked about no. There's some things we need to say no to in our life, some commitments that we need to minimize so that we can focus on what's most important in our life. And and this week, we're entering into a new topic, and as we do that, I wanted to uh, just look at a couple a couple tattoos, actually. Not that I'm getting one or planning to get one right now, and not that I have anything against it if you've got one or a dozen. We've actually got an amazing tattoo artist as part of our congregation. But there's some tattoos that people wish that they didn't have. Um, but, you know, it is your life, so you can do whatever you want. It is my life, John Bovey. And I also want to tell you, if you don't get the joke of these tattoos, you should definitely pause before getting any tattoos, all right? Because... <laughs> I don't know if it's the tattoo artist or the person's fault that these happened, but we have some, some tattoos that these are stuck to people's skin for the rest of their life, um, like this one, a love thicker than blood. And the grammar people in here caught that right away, the way that it's written. I don't know if this is a recipe or instructions, but there's an order that's being given here, a love thicker than blood. It's not a good tattoo to have on you. The, the next one, you're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think. And so she's a little stronger than her mind is from the way that it's written. Also, not, not a good one. This last one, plan ahead. Now, <laughs> I don't know if he just has that sense of humor or if he used to be the six-fingered man, you know, like, hello, my name is Indigo Montoya. Um, but, but once again, planning ahead is important. We want, we want to live our life knowing what we're doing, and especially when it comes to sticking words onto our body that's going to be pretty much with us for the rest of our life. We want to have some input and we want to have some clarity as far as what we write on our body. You know, you don't want to put a name on your body that, that doesn't belong there for the rest of your life. And the nice thing is laser tattoo removal is coming. So tattoos aren't as permanent as they used to be. But what we're talking about today with the power of words is I'm convinced that words can actually be a little bit more permanent than tattoos. And some of you guys have felt this the way that I have, where someone has said something to you, said something about you that has stayed with you for years after the colors of your tattoo has faded. And there is no removal of those words from your past and your mind. Words have so much power and strength to affect us and affect the person that we become. They are powerful. They are tremendously powerful. And as we're in this series of words I need to say, I want to just first remind you guys of how words can affect us. Proverbs 12, 18 says it this way, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The things that we say, they can either cause destruction in people's lives or they can cause healing. 
And, and today I'm going to go through a bunch of different scripture passages, but I, I feel like I need to do this as we talk about this because I'm, I'm going to give you guys some encouragement. I'm going to push on you as your pastor a little bit to take a step today. And, and I want to explain the why before I get to the what of it, because I believe there's some biblical why uh, of what I'm going to ask you guys to do. And, and that's, that's found in Matthew 12, 34. This isn't going to be on the sh- your screen, but you can jot it down or you can uh, flip to your Bible now if you have your Bible with you. As we get into this, the, the words for the day of what I believe we need to save that we haven't been saying, and you can write this in your notes, is I believe in you. I believe that this is something that we need to be saying to the people around us. And I believe that authentically and honestly, in your heart, there's probably some people that you know and you love that you'd say, I, I don't know if I've encouraged them as much as I should. I, don't, I, I hope that they know it, but I don't know if I've said it out loud as much as I should. And today what we're talking about is letting the people around us know that we believe in them, that we see that God has placed something inside of them, that they are significant, that they have importance, that they have the image of God written all over their life, and that they matter. And they matter to you. I believe in you. The, the first passage that I want to look at to explain the why of, of, of just how significant our words are is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 34. And this is one of my favorite verses when it comes to talking about the words that we say. And it's really easy to remember. You just remember Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Matthew 12, 34. All right? And the, the words that I memorized it in was... From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is addressing Pharisees, and first he he begins, and he addresses them in a very harsh way, and he says, he compares them to snakes, and asks, how can you do anything good? And he says, don't you know, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I just want to pause there for a second before we go into the next verse, and and just address the, the false concept that we have in our head. We, we make excuses for ourselves, you know, I just said that because I was angry. The, the real honest truth is I said that because I just had a moment where I let what was in my heart just flow out without filtering it. Where I just let my heart and my emotion run wild. And that, honestly, when we speak, the words that we say are one of the truest reflections of the condition of our heart. In verse 35, Jesus goes on to, to say that we bring out what is stored in the treasure of our heart when we speak. We bring out the good when we're speaking the good things. And our words are just a reflection of what's going on in our heart. And then in verse 36, he says this unfortunate truth of we will have to give an account for every idle, empty thing we have spoken. That's a huge responsibility of saying the things that did not have purpose, that God is going to hold us to account on those things. Uh, Of just saying there's a different purpose. And so when I talk about the why, the why is it important for us to be intentional about the way that we use our words and build people up with our words. The why behind it is because your words are the best picture of the condition of your heart. And so if a heart is filled with the love of God and it's filled with spiritual fruit like patience and goodness and kindness and self-control, then we would just expect that when someone who is like that starts talking that we would hear anger and bitterness and sarcasm, right? No, we shouldn't be hearing that. That's not what it is. And it's not that there's I understand there's a place for anger and there's a place for for sarcastic jokes. I get that. But for the most part, in in the, the, the difficult situations, what is it that flows out of your heart when you're just unfiltered at that moment? And as your pastor, I want to encourage you 
Um, th- this, isn't, this isn't saying, oh man, we're terrible, but it's encouragement. Say, let's look at this and see how we can take a step forward in it. Because it's important. Why is it important? Because our words are a reflection of our heart. And so when we speak, we want to be speaking life. And so we get to, this is our main verse for the day that I want to look at. And we're going to look at a few passages, but this is the main one that I want you to take home with you. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. We're going to project it onto the screen. If you have your Bible open to it, this is one that should be circled and highlighted and stamped to your forehead. It's an important verse, all right? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The, the version that I memorized it in when I was younger was, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The Greek in this, it has that picture of building, of pushing someone up, of building them up. And, and one of the first encouragements, one of the first things that I want you to leave here deciding today, if you're a note taker, write this down. Make the decision that I will use my words to build others up. I will use my words to build others up. When it says only use what is helpful for building or for encouraging others, that's that's an amazing limitation of saying, if I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be speaking life into someone. And, And the Apostle Paul, as he's teaching, he's giving the purpose. So this is the what. Jesus was explaining the why in Matthew 12, 34 of what I shared with you. And I believe Apostle Paul is, this is the what. This is how it's lived out. And so when we speak, we speak life. We build people up. For me, I try to live this out with my kids as much as I can. Because all of us, we grew up, at, we grew up in different kinds of households. And whether we like it or not, we've adopted so much of the communication style of the household we were raised in. Whether you loved your parents or you had a rough relationship with them, if you have kids, you've experienced this. If you haven't had kids, you won't believe me, but it will happen. There's going to be this moment where you're speaking to your kids and all of a sudden your mother starts speaking out of your mouth. And you're like, how did she do that? I said I would never say that. But it just, the words, just they went and I can't bring them back. I mean, it's like a toolbox. Like we just have what they did. And until we intentionally learn new skills, we're only going to have those skills. And so as a parent, I try to speak life into my kids in an intentional way. And I feel like one of the most opportune times is at bedtime. And it's also one of the biggest battleground times too. Because if you have young kids, man, by the time, it's, by the time they're supposed to be asleep, you are so ready to be done. You are so ready to just sit down and just melt into the couch for a couple minutes. And so sometimes that anger can get out and you just want to throw them in the bed and just stay there. Um, but, but it's one of those times where you know that they're laying there going to sleep. And they're just going through all the things that they've heard and learned through the day. All the voices of the kids at school, their teachers, the media that they consumed, the things that you said. All of that is playing through and they're digesting it into their mind. And so I feel like it's one of the most opportune times to speak life into them. And so as exhausted and tired as I am, I try to always win this fight within myself where I pull my girls together and I just take a minute and I just try to brag on on them in front of their sisters and in front of God and we pray together and I just do a prayer like God I am so thankful that I get to be her dad I'm so thankful that you have placed courage and strength and intelligence and leadership inside of this girl I thank you that that she is gifted beyond what she even understands and I pray that you would help us to honor you in our family 
Amen. And I just speak that life. And whether she knows it or not, whether she believes she's going to be a leader or not, whether she thinks she has courage or not, as I continue to speak that truth into her life, she's going to at least know that someone sees courage and leadership and strength inside of her. And so maybe she has the option to live that way. Because a lot of times people don't even try to, to live to their potential or live to what God has placed in them or to use the gifts that God has given them because they don't even think that that's an option for them yet. And when we speak life and we build them up, they say, you know what, maybe I can try what they just described. Maybe there's more to me than what other people have said. If they see that in me, maybe I can see that in me too. And so as we speak life into them, I believe, I've seen my kids believe in themselves in amazing ways because we've been speaking that. And that's not because I'm a great dad, it's just because I've, I've understood the fact that my words carry weight and so I have to choose them carefully. And I have to look through my history and I need to say, this is not something that I want to pass on to my kids. And this is something that I want to pass on to my kids. And so we make changes no perfect people, right? It's okay if you haven't done it the way that you think you should be doing it. What's important is if you look at it and analyze and say, where have I been taking the opportunity to speak life and truth into my kids, into my friends, into my coworkers? Because this isn't just something about parenting. This is something about all of the relationships that surround us in our life. The people who are around you at work, do they see you as a source of criticism or life? And I understand the tensions of work, especially if you're someone in authority where you have to correct people. I understand that, but you still should be finding those opportunities to speak life into the people around you. Even some people in here today struggle with understanding their own worth and their own giftedness. And I want to tell you that, that Scripture teaches us that God has created you in a specific way, that he has placed specific gifts in you that no one else in this room has. And he has a specific plan for your life. I mean, just going through, you can go from the very beginning of the Old Testament all the way through the book of Revelations and see statements about who God has made you to be. Just at the very beginning in Genesis 1, when God was creating all things, he said that he has made man and woman in his own image. That he has set us apart from all of creation. In Genesis 1, it talks about it. In Psalm 139, it goes through these amazing statements of how intimately God knows us. That when we were unformed in our mother's womb, God was knitting us together there. That he knows the number of hairs on your head. Before a word is on your tongue, he knows it completely. And he still loves you. Even when we say the stupid things, God still loves us. He knew it before it was going to happen. And he's never left us. He's never forsaken us. In Matthew 10, he compares us to sparrows and other things in creation that were worth more than any of those things to him. God sees us as his children, that he is adopted into our family. John 3.16 is that great promise that he sent his son, his one and only son, so that none would perish but have everlasting life. In Romans 5, we see the beautiful promises that even while we were sinners and far from God, that Christ died for us. He took our sin onto the cross and paid our penalty. And Romans 5.20 gives us the beautiful promise that sin doesn't get to have a last word, but that his grace does. The Son of God died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world so that you could be reunited to your heavenly Father. And there is not a thing on earth that can touch your value to him. 
And if you think because of your life experiences and because the words that other people have spoke over your life, if you think that that has made you less valuable, you were wrong. And I want you to hear it from me, and I want you to see it in Scripture, that God loves you no matter what you have walked through. And he has a plan for you. And he wants to use you in your family's life, in your workplace, in this city. He has a plan for your life, no matter what you've walked through. And we don't build our children up and we don't build other people up because we want to inflate their ego, but we build them up because they have inherent value. We build them up because the world has stolen something from them. The world has jaded a picture that they should have in their head. And we have the privilege of giving them that back. We have the privilege of carrying the truth about who they are back to them. God has given us this amazing ability and authority in people's lives. And and I love it. And I've experienced it in my own life. Uh, For me, I came to Christ at the age of 17. I lived my early life far away from God. We were not a church family. We did not do church things. And so when I started hanging out around a church, I honestly felt super awkward because I felt like if these people found out who I really was, they would ask me to leave because I knew the things that I had done. I knew the things that I was still doing and I knew my issues and my hangups. And I felt like I just need to put on this church face and be the perfect person around them. And I need to not touch stuff because I'm not allowed to touch stuff because I'm too messed up to even help out or serve around church. And I remember there was one night where, where they were cleaning up and I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll just stack a few chairs. I won't get too involved, but I'll just, I'll just start just stacking a few of them. And my youth pastor, his, his wife, his name was Don, Stephen Don Brooks, amazing people. And Don came over to me and, and she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, Paul, I just want to tell you, you are such a blessing. Nobody even asked you to clean up and here you are, you're stacking chairs. And ever since you've been around, I've just seen God doing some stuff in your life and I believe he's placed some gifts in you and I believe that he's gonna do something amazing with your life. And I'm just so glad that you're here. And honestly, we, I've talked with her and Steve about that conversation because she doesn't even remember it. It was just a natural thing for her to be doing because she's a joyful person. And if you get stuck around her, you're going to hear and feel just joy spilling out on you. And so she just did that. She never thought of it, but it marked my life. As simple as it was, I had this sense that all of a sudden, I actually can help out here. Like they act, It actually matters to them if I'm doing something. And it was the smallest, dumbest thing of just stacking up those blue plastic chairs that are terribly uncomfortable and shock you with static electricity whenever you sit in them. You know what I'm talking about. I was just stacking those chairs. And she just encouraged me in the smallest way. But it helped me connect into the church in a deeper way. She didn't even remember it. And 20 years later, I still remember it clearly. And all she did was just speak speak the smallest amount of encouragement. And I wonder if we as a church said, I'm just going to be a little bit more intentional about my words. Ephesians 4.29 says to build other people up, to encourage them. In fact, it almost says that's the only way to be using your words. What would happen if we intentionally made that part of our culture? when we gather together on Sundays, but also during our week and in our homes? How would the people who live life around us feel? How would your coworkers feel if they knew that if they just paused by your desk for a couple minutes, that you were gonna find a way to encourage them? How would it affect, I think it would make people curious 
about why you are that way. I think it would give you opportunities to talk about the love and the grace that God has poured into your heart that just naturally flows into these other conversations. And, and there's a biblical picture that I want to close with that, that is just a great picture of, of our opportunity. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. It's verses 1 through 14. This is some great reading to go back to during the week. And I'm just going to read through this section of Scripture where God is painting a picture for the prophet Ezekiel. In chapter 37, verse 1, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. First of all, this is kind of creepy. A valley filled with bones. And these are human bones. All right? He led me all around among the bones. I'm walking amongst the bones. This is getting worse. That covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living again? And, you know, you, you don't ever give God an answer in that situation. You just say, whatever you want to do is what will happen. And he said, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. But internally, we look at that and we say, no, these could never live again. It's impossible. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Now, the beautiful thing, there's so many cool pictures in this passage, but I want to pay attention to this one simple truth. God told the prophet what to say, but nothing happened until the prophet spoke. God gave him exactly what he needed to do, but God did not begin to work until the prophet spoke. And there was nothing powerful or magical about the words that came out of the prophet's mouth other than the faithfulness of God to accomplish what he says he will accomplish when we go in obedience to what he's called us to do. Let me run back through that again. God shows up and he does what he says he will do when we walk in obedience to him. It wasn't that the prophet's words did something. But the prophet stepped out and did what God asked him, and then God did what he promised he will do. And that truth rings true today. That even today, when we step out in obedience, God does what he says he will do. And so when we go out and we share encouraging words, when we share the gospel, when we share our life and the love that God has given us with the people around us, God will begin to work in their lives as we step out in obedience and following him. As we follow these calls to build someone up. This isn't just a suggestion, this is an instruction from scripture that we are supposed to build each other up. Band, go ahead and start making your way back up to the stage for me. But we have an opportunity in our life to follow this. 
And as we speak life into people, we get to see a change occur. And this is a truth that I want you guys to leave with today as well. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. When I speak life, I give life. When I speak life, I give life. Sometimes when you're encouraging someone, you may feel like they are not hearing me. And in fact, as a 17-year-old boy, when this youth pastor's wife came over and encouraged me, I think I probably like shrugged and went back to putting the chairs. But inside, I was stirred up and I was encouraged. When you speak life into someone's heart, they may not show you any signs. It's like a seed that has been planted. You may not always get to see the spiritual fruit that grows from it, but know this truth, that when you walk in obedience to God, he will always be at work. And you may feel like, I have so many things that I need to fix. I don't know where to start. Just start here. Just start on saying, what you're speaking to me now, God, I will do. And so there's a very easy and obvious application to this. I want you to think of someone that you can encourage. I want you to think of a person that you can just give a simple statement to, one sentence. just wanted to let you know, I see some amazing gifts in you. I don't think I've told you enough how much I appreciate you. You're important to me. I want to make sure you know that. I want you to identify a person. It might be a child, it might be a coworker, it might be a friend, it might be a friend from college that you haven't spoke to for a while. I believe that God is going to put some people on your heart today that need to hear from you. And we have this amazing opportunity and we have this amazing calling to build others up. You got that name? You got that person, that face. Good. God's going to use you guys. And how amazing will it be for just this wave of encouragement to flow out of this church? For the people who are around it and connected to it. See, some of the people there, man, they speak life. They speak love. It's a place you can go to get refreshed. Let's pray. Lord, Give us the courage to cross that line, to, to go into that place where we speak encouragement to someone else. And as we speak this, whether we get to see the spiritual fruit or not, we know that we're walking in obedience to you, so Father, use it. Change lives, change hearts, and whether we see it or not, we will continue to walk in obedience because we know that as we speak life and love, our heart continues to just be filled with life and love. Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross, that you have paid all of our, our sins, that you have cleared all of our wrongs. We thank you that you have made us right with the Heavenly Father. Help us to sense your closeness today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand to sing, the ushers are gonna come forward. For those of you guys who have called Gulfside home, thank you so much. For, for your generosity, for honoring the Lord and giving. 
Uh, as the ushers come forward, you have that opportunity to give again. Uh, I wanted to share with you with excitement. We were able to help feed some families that are connected here at Island Coast High School that otherwise wouldn't have had Thanksgiving. And we do that through the gifts that you guys provide. So thank you so much. Go ahead and stand with us as we sing, and the ushers will come forward to receive the offering. <laughs> 